Conspiracy theories are most often a smokescreen to divert us from the true evil. My dad was right. This family's money is dirty. Imagination is far more fascinating than reality. Welcome to Working for Uncle Henry, the podcast. I'm the series author and your host, Angela Mullins. Well, chapter four features a scene from the dream that started this whole series. The three main characters, Parker, Jennifer, and Henry, were in the dream. And the main scene I remember is when the three come together for the first time in a decade in Henry's study. I don't remember much else about the dream, but I could not get those people out of my head, and I found myself developing them, and I knew that I needed to write something with them. That was 1995, 94, somewhere in that area. Um, The book that I wrote then um, was pretty different than the one that I have now. I didn't like it. I eventually destroyed it. But still, uh, a couple of decades went by, and I could not get these characters out of my head. I, I have no idea why. But I wrote it again, and this is it. So, chapter four. As a kid, Parker had never paid attention to the town of Rolling Rivers. The eight- to ten-hour drive seemed to take forever, so his mother always tried to keep them occupied with games, spotting cars of particular colors, getting truckers to blow their funny horns on their 18-wheelers and such. He did remember the swampy areas just off the shoreline of the bay, and as he slipped into their fog now, he grinned at the memory of how creepy it seemed back then and how Sarah loved to make up stories of swamp monsters to make David cry until Reverend Madison reprimanded her for calling up the devil. His grin faded as he realized the fog was still a little creepy now, like he was being eaten by a smoke monster. What was lurking behind the fog awaiting him? Parker shook his head. Geez, he thought, Sarah isn't even here and she's still putting creepy thoughts in my head. In the distance, through the trees and fog, the Archer Mansion peeked into view. The lights of the house pierced through the fog now, starting to reveal what really lay behind. Or did it? The builder, Samuel Archer, Parker's grandfather, had been a private, secretive man. Although Henry and Edith were more active and known in the community, a great deal of mystery surrounded them as well. Their eccentric ways and endless trough of money, of which no one could state the origin, gave rise to the occasional speculation and whispering. A mixture of naked red maples and dogwoods lined each side of the private road leading to the estate. The well-polished brass gates opened automatically as if welcoming Parker to the mysterious land that lay beyond or indicating he was being watched by the numerous but well-hidden security cameras. Security lighting illuminated the grounds enough to reveal an immaculately manicured carpet of zoysia grass accented with a variety of hedges and blooms. English ivy crept up the brick on the front of the house. Parker followed the drive around the 25-foot diameter tiered fountain in front where he had tossed numerous pennies as a kid The wishes he made rarely came true. He glanced over the side. The pennies were no longer there. Just a clean, clear pool of flowing water. 
Parker unstrapped his duffel from the rack on the back of his bike and stepped up to the hand-carved wooden double doors of the main entrance. They were one of many elements of the house Samuel Archer had shipped from Europe during the home's construction. Parker removed his helmet and raised his hand to knock when one of the doors opened. Mr. Parker, it's wonderful to see you again after all this time. Gerard Humphreys had been the Archer's butler since his father, the previous butler, passed away some 15 years earlier. Hello, Gerard. Parker set down his duffel and gave him a hug. What a fine young man you've become, Gerard replied with a smile and a hearty pat on the back. He picked up the duffel and took the backpack from Parker's shoulder. I'll take your things upstairs. I prepared the first bedroom in the east wing for you. He nodded in the direction of the right-hand staircase. The colonel is in his study, waiting for you. You remember the way? Parker smiled and nodded. He lingered in the foyer for a moment, reacquainting himself with the place that had been like an amusement park to him as a little boy, because many things seemed grand and magical to a child. He could almost hear the clicking of their little shoes echoing through the hallway of the tiled floors, also imported from Europe. Christmas decorations were everywhere. Gold tinsel and garland weaved through the railings of both stairways that led up left and right from the foyer to the second floor. White candles lined every available shelf and table space, accompanied by splashes of red and spindly frosted miniature trees. The house embraced an odd layout that produced the deceptive display to outsiders that they could peer into the many windows and actually see something. An outer hallway encircled the first floor, with each room branching off from it remaining perfectly concealed. An eclectic variety of paintings lined the walls of the circular hallway like a museum. Parker made his way around to the back side of the house and knocked on the door of his uncle's study. A gruff voice beckoned him in. By the time Parker swung open the door, his uncle was there to greet him with a vigorous handshake. Parker, my boy, wonderful to see you again. We have much to talk about. Come, sit down. He stepped aside and motioned to one of the leather wingbacks positioned squarely in front of his large mahogany wood desk. It was then Parker saw the smoke drifting up from the other wingback and realized they were not alone. Hello, Parker, came a buttery smooth voice. She turned to greet him with a sly smile. Jennifer? He had not expected her to be here. Parker and I have business to discuss, Jennifer. You two can catch up later. Jennifer didn't appear to mind the dismissal. She put out her cigarette in the jade ashtray on Henry's desk. I'll see you later, she said to Parker with a soft brush of her hand on his shoulder. Parker watched her leave, then took a seat in the companion wing back while Henry straightened the clutter on his desk. Gray file folders and pads with random sequences of numbers, formulas, and geometric shapes scribbled all over them were discreetly stacked on top of a dark blue leather notebook stamped confidential. Now, about that proposition, I have a little mercantile store in town that desperately needs your expertise. Oh, okay. Like stocking shelves and running the cash register? I did work at the bookstore on campus during college. No, no, Henry raised palms in protest. I have people for that. I need someone with your education and knowledge of history to sort through my purchases and keep them cataloged. Well, that didn't sound too nefarious, Parker thought. 
Interesting, actually. How does a thousand a week sound start? Parker gulped. A thousand dollars a week? That's just a start, mind you. I will need you to travel a bit, so there'll be extra for that. Um, sounds great. He knew he wasn't in a position to turn down an offer like that. When do you need me to start? Yesterday. (laughs) But we'll wait until the first of the year to make it official. You can live here, Henry said firmly, hinting that living elsewhere was not an option. Okay. I uh, need to settle up a few things at home, Parker replied with a little embarrassment, remembering the few weeks' rent he owed his landlord. I'll send someone down to Greenville to gather up your things and settle up with your landlord and any other obligations you have there, utilities and whatnot, Henry said nonchalantly, waving his pipe back and forth in his hand. Parker was startled by his uncle's possible awareness of his financial situation, Also relieved, his landlord and other debts were going to be taken care of. Thank you, sir. I'll pay you back ASAP. Nonsense. Henry waved off the suggestion. Your aunt's New Year's Eve party is in a couple of days. Do you have a tuxedo? No, sir. He had never needed to own a tux. In fact, his entire wardrobe was packed in the two bags he had brought with him. Not a problem. Gerard will take care of that. Henry glanced at his watch. Dinner will be ready in a couple of hours. Why don't you visit with your cousin at the pool and then freshen up? It wasn't a question, but it was an obvious dismissal. Two sets of ornamental iron and glass doors open onto the backyard terrace. A radiant orange-gold sunset cast its colors over the pool area, but any warmth it offered was long gone. Parker drew in his arms with a shiver and wished Gerard hadn't taken his coat. Streams of smoke and a distinct odor indicated Jennifer's presence by the pool. Her long, lean body lay stretched out over a luxuriously cushioned chase. It's a little cold to be lounging around outside, isn't it? he asked. She glanced his way and blew out a trail of smoke. She had at least been smart enough to grab a jacket before going outside. I'm not allowed to smoke pot in the house, she answered dryly. Parker glanced toward the house. But Henry and Edith are okay with you doing it out here? She grinned. Are you all squared away on your new job? Her tone hinted at knowing more about Parker's new job than he did at the moment. I guess so. Uncle Henry seems to be taking care of everything. Yes, that's our uncle. She inhaled the joint and offered it to him. Ah, no thanks. Still the good boy. I'm trying. She took another long drag and exhaled slowly, staring straight ahead across the pool. Good for you. Henry and Edith know you're smoking that? She laughed. You gonna tell on me? Parker blushed. A timer triggered the underwater lights of the pool, illuminating the Archer family crest engraved at the bottom. It featured three parallel arrows that historically symbolized military readiness. Parker shuffled his feet. What's been going on with you? He asked to break the awkward silence. Just changing clothes a lot and having my picture taken. A friend of mine back in college had a poster of you on his dorm wall. She chuckled knowing the couple of posters she had authorized for sale featured her minimally clad at best. Did it make you blush? A little. You barely looked at it, didn't you? 
He had avoided eye contact with it as much as possible, just like he was doing with her now. So what brings you here? He asked, changing the subject. Christmas, she remarked as if he should know. You still come here for Christmas every year? Yes, I do. It's the only thing that feels like family in my life, and I guess some part of me likes a little family now and then. Henry and Edith are pretty much all I have. What about your parents? Huh, she replied, crushing the small remainder of the joint with her boot on the Moroccan tile patio. I've barely seen my father since boarding school. Mother comes around when she wants to be in the company of her celebrity daughter, but mainly to see what men in my life she can meet. I'm sorry. Mm, no big deal. You can't miss what you never had. So what happened to your family? You were here every year for Christmas, and then you weren't. I think you know why. What? Because I kissed you? Dad was pretty upset about that. As I recall, your dad got upset about almost everything. Yeah, he still does. What about you? Did it upset you? He pondered how to respond. He remembered that day in the wine cellar like it was yesterday. His first real kiss from his cousin. That part he was still trying to forget. You said it was my Christmas gift. They both laughed. I wish I thought as highly of myself. Well, you don't have to worry about the cellar anymore. Henry had it closed off a few years ago. Something about carbon monoxide and mold or something like that. She glanced at her watch. I need to get ready for dinner. She stood up to go inside, but stopped in front of Parker. I like the sideburns. She stroked the left sideburn with her finger and let it trail softly down the side of his neck. Gerard poured a Spanish rosé for Henry to taste. Excellent choice, Gerard, Henry declared after a swirled sniff and sip. Gerard resumed pouring around the table, but upon reaching Parker, he placed a tall glass of cold sweet tea. Parker glanced up at him and smiled, pleased that the accommodating butler had remembered Next, Gerard served tuna lightly seared around the outside on a bed of couscous accompanied by lightly charred Brussels sprouts. The conversation consisted of the expected first visit in a while stuff. When did you finish college? What have you been doing? How is your family? Edith asking most of the questions, as Henry already knew the answers. Your father was always quite amusing, Edith chuckled. I've never seen anyone turn red in the face as much as he. He was always so tense. Is he still that way, so uptight? I'm afraid so, Parker sighed. Henry uttered a disagreeable grunt. Edith raised her fork to make a point. I think he should take up ballet. Parker almost choked on the Brussels sprout he had just bitten into. Jennifer laughed. <laughs> yes, Parker, you should make that recommendation. Parker grinned at the idea of his dad in tights twirling about. You've uh, heard the joke, Baptists don't dance. I'm afraid that's not a joke with my dad. Oh, nonsense, Edith replied. I know several Baptists who are quite good dancers, especially after a few drinks. It's quite relaxing. Ballet, that is, when you don't take it too seriously. Of course, most things are when you don't take them too seriously. She put down her fork to point with her finger this time. That's it, Parker. Your father should just not take things so seriously. He would be much happier. 
Parker couldn't disagree with that, but telling his dad to lighten up would most likely result in him becoming more red-faced. After riding 500 miles or so on a motorcycle, Parker finished off his meal and excused himself to his room that consisted of a writing desk, large wardrobe, ensuite bathroom, and a TV mounted on the wall opposite a bed that beckoned him with sweet rest. He stripped down to his underwear, climbed between the soft Egyptian cotton sheets, and sighed deeply. Heaven. He drifted off to sleep in seconds and slept soundly through the night with one exception— Jennifer returning home and stumbling through the hallway to her room just around the corner from his. Parker consulted the clock on the nightstand, 3 a.m. The thought of where she had been kept him awake for a while, but soon his exhaustion conquered his curiosity. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll know when each new episode drops. And if you want to read along or ahead, the books are available on Amazon. Check out the show notes for links. Next time, the strangeness continues on Working for Uncle Henry.